This is episode 5 of Hidden Hosea. I'm Josh Snow, and I want to share what I've learned about Hosea's new life. When Dad died, I had worked through the five stages of grieving as outlined by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. In the aftermath of Megan's affair, I put my grief into this framework again. Naming my stages of grieving was helpful and necessary, but it was not enough. How did Hosea feel when Gomer was unfaithful to him? How did God feel when his people were unfaithful to him. God tells us the names of Hosea's children. Hosea's first child was a son whom God named Jezreel, which means scattered. Hosea's second child was a daughter whom God named Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved or unloved. And the prophet's third child was a son whom God named Lo-Ami, which means not my people or not mine. The meaning of these three names are prophetic judgments. However, God in his mercy changed the meaning of Hosea's children's names to herald hope, healing, wholeness, and restoration. I learned three things from God changing the meaning of Hosea's children's names. From the first child, Jezreel, God turned the grief of betrayal into an opportunity for Hosea's faith to grow. Secondly, when God changed the meaning of the prophet's second child, I learned God's love would restore Hosea and our broken world. Thirdly, when God changed the meaning of Hosea's third child, I learned God gave Hosea and his people new life as children of the living God. So first, God commanded Hosea to name his first child Jezreel, which means scattered. And when one experiences infidelity, one goes through feeling scattered feeling shattered, feeling shock. But it is often in trials we see God most clearly because there's nowhere else to turn. The psalmist sang, Where can I turn from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. That's Psalm 139. Our brokenness brings us closer to God. And we also learn from the psalmist, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's Psalm 34. The Bible teaches us that in marriage, a man and a woman are considered to be one flesh. C.S. Lewis wrote, quote, 
The Christian idea of marriage is based on Christ's words that a man and wife are to be regarded as a single organism. For that is what the words one flesh means. Like when one says that a lock and its key are one mechanism, or that a violin and a bow are one musical instrument. The inventor of the human machine was telling us that its two halves, the male and the female, were made to be combined together in pairs, not simply on the sexual level, but totally combined. Unquote. Adultery is not only an existential crisis for the marriage, but an identity crisis for the marriage partner. Genesis tells us that God created us from dust, and experiencing infidelity scatters the marriage partner's very self, the dust. And since God created marriage as the foundational element of human society, infidelity disintegrates families, communities, and nations from within. In Hosea's prophecy, God's central charge against Israel was that through their worship of other gods, through their worship of idols, they were committing spiritual adultery. In doing so, they were breaking and disintegrating. They were scattering their covenant relationship with God. Hosea and his fellow prophets predicted the downfall of the northern kingdom of Israel and southern kingdom Judah. Israel eventually fell to the Assyrians, and when the Babylonians conquered Judah and Jerusalem, the Hebrews were taken to exile to Babylon and dispersed. God's people had been scattered. Yet God desires mercy, and in Hosea 2 we read God proclaiming, The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader and will come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. That's from Hosea chapter 2. James Boyce writes that, quote, God changed Jezreel with the meaning scattered to Jezreel with the meaning planted, unquote. God's word had been planted in the people's hearts, minds, and souls. And through faith in his promises, Hosea and his people would be restored to God. In Matthew 17, Jesus tells us that if we have the faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. In the parable of the sower, Jesus tells us that in good soil, seed can produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. The seed of faith Hosea sows in our hearts is the gospel, the good news that through the Messiah, God saves. And if we are good soil, if we are receptive to the seed of faith, God can turn the grief of infidelity into an opportunity for growth and new life. Second, when God changed the meaning of Hosea's second child's name from not loved to loved, I learned God would restore Hosea and our broken world with his love. Tim Keller describes Genesis 1 as a song of creation. 
For me, one of the most moving scenes in the Chronicles of Narnia is of Aslan singing creation into existence. In J.R.R. Tolkien's Prehistory to the Lord of the Rings, creation is described as a symphony of music by God and his servants. Genesis 1 tells us the Holy Spirit laid the foundations of the universe. Hosea and the Book of Acts show us that the Holy Spirit is the source of undying and incomprehensible love. In his prophecy, Hosea only hints at the Holy Spirit as leading with cords of kindness. But the Holy Spirit is everywhere in Hosea's prophecy. The very existence of Hosea's prophecy, every word of it, is from the Holy Spirit. St. Paul tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed, and in his first epistle, St. Peter tells us the Holy Spirit inspired and spoke through all the prophets. Through the person of the Holy Spirit, we can be filled with and immersed in God's love. St. Paul tells us God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Christianity asserts and the Bible reveals there is only one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the personal embodiment of God's love. C.S. Lewis described the Holy Spirit this way, quote, The union between the Father and the Son is such a live, concrete thing that this union itself is also a person. This third person is called, in technical language, the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God. In the Christian life, you are not usually looking at Him. He was always acting through you. If you think of the Father as something out there in front of you, and of the Son as someone standing at your side helping you to pray, trying to turn you into another Son, then you have to think of the third person as something inside you or behind you. God is love, and that love works through men, especially through the whole community of Christians. But this spirit of love is, from all eternity, a love going on between the Father and the Son." God grieves when we are broken. The psalmist sings, Deep calls to deep. That's Psalm 42. The Holy Spirit ministers to us and prays for us. In his letter to the Romans, St. Paul tells us, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. That's from Romans. Chapter 8. Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit is our comforter and counselor. Jerry Sitzer writes, quote, True healing is found not only when we are loved by others, but also when we are enlivened by the love others have for one another, the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father. Unquote. In the desert of despair, one feels abandoned and unloved. Yet the Bible tells us we are precious to God, and He has adored us before our first heartbeat. The psalmist sings, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That's Psalm 139. 
In his epistle to the Romans and Ephesians, Paul wrote that the Holy Spirit assures us of our connection to God the Father through Jesus Christ. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with and embraced by God's perfect love. Marinating his mind and soul in the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit, Hosea not only knew God loved the prophet, God gave Hosea a vision. The prophet had a sense of destiny and was willing to live for something greater than himself. Hosea's brokenness brought him closer to God. The prophet knew firsthand the anguish of rejected love. But the prophet's life had a purpose. It would be a story God would use to tell people of who God is and how much God loved them. Theologian Bruce Walkey notes that the Sabbath and marriage are the only two social institutions which predate the fall. Through the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit, Hosea sought to restore the broken institution of marriage, one marriage at a time, starting with his own. And in doing so, Hosea made his life, marriage, and family a living parable of God's undying love for his people. So through God's renaming of Hosea's second child, I learned God, in the person of the Holy Spirit, would restore this broken world with his love. Thirdly, when God changed the meaning of Hosea's third child from Lo-Ami, meaning not my people, to my people, children of the living God, I learned God gave Hosea and his people new life. When God created us, he made us in his image. He created us to steward the universe. However, due to our rebellion, due to our desire to be gods of our own lives, due to our unfaithfulness, we put a great divide between us and God. Hosea had been convinced of his own wandering heart and fallenness before God. Hosea knew that from God's perspective, the prophet himself was an unfaithful man with an unfaithful heart living amongst unfaithful people. His fellow prophets echoed this sentiment. Jeremiah lamented, From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike, all practice deceit. Isaiah mourned, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. When St. Paul tells us that the wages of sin is death, The Apostle is telling us that the cost of unfaithfulness to God is eventually eternal separation from God. In explaining the cost of forgiveness, Tim Keller has noted Martin Lloyd-Jones' assertion that, quote, Forgiveness is the most difficult thing in the universe. In Genesis 1, God says, Let there be light, and it was so. In Genesis 3, God said, let there be salvation, but forgiveness takes centuries. Forgiveness is the greatest problem in the universe. When it happens, it's a miracle, unquote. In the Bible, blood represents life, and blood also represents death. It represents life because blood flows through the heart of every living person and creature. Blood also represents death because, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer noted, quote, all forgiveness is a form of suffering, and death is ultimate suffering, unquote. 
Justice can only be satisfied if someone pays the debt. In our hearts, we know this to be intuitively true. When someone wrongs us, there is an unspoken cry for the wrong to be righted. And according to the Bible, the cost of forgiveness is blood sacrifice. This is why, for me, applying the five stages of grieving was not enough. Just before God renames Hosea's third child, the prophet reminds us of one of the most famous incidents in biblical history when he states, The Israelites will be like sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. This is a reference to Genesis 22, when God commanded Abraham to sacrifice his beloved son Isaac, and the patriarch demonstrated his faith by taking his son to the altar. But God provided a substitutionary sacrifice, a ram, to die instead. For Hosea and for us, God would provide the ultimate substitutionary sacrifice, a baby in a manger. St. John tells us in the most famous verse in the Bible, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. The Apostle goes on to tell us what eternal life is. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's John chapter 17. Hosea connects love and life. Because of God's great love, in Hosea 13, we read God proclaiming, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Isaiah announced, But your dead will live, Lord, their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. In the vision of the valley of dry bones, through the prophet Ezekiel, God declared, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. The Latin phrase sub specie eternitatis means from the perspective of eternity or in the light of eternity. Acts of faith from the worldly perspective seem foolish and nonsensical. Noah building an ark in the middle of a desert when there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Abraham offering his beloved son Isaac as a sacrifice. God's prophet seeking reconciliation with his wayward wife. God's son dying on the cross for his unfaithful and ungrateful people. But subspecie eternitatis, we can see that all these acts of faith sow the seeds of God's redemptive plan for history and is preparing all creation for the wedding on the edge of forever, when Jesus Christ, the true bridegroom, returns for his bride, the church. In Revelation, we read God's invitation to us. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. For Hosea, during his mortal life, Gomer's unfaithfulness was a thorn the prophet would bear. But subspecie eternitatis, knowing the only one who is truly faithful, Hosea had the perspective to see his trials and tribulations would be a mere blip in the light of eternity. Jesus Christ made shocking and unbelievable claims about himself, claims which people have wrestled with ever since this Hebrew carpenter walked the earth. But if Jesus is who he said he is, then Hosea and all who put their faith in Christ 
can look forward to new eternal life, spending forever in God's loving arms. I'm Josh Snow. Thank you for listening to Hidden Hosea.